1: I don't ask anybody's question
2: but yours. You're an idiot and really a disloyal person.
3: Hello and welcome to a special edition of Disloyal Idiots, a Fans for a Sports Network podcast. Uh, With you as always, Steve Haller and Christian de Guzman. No Andy Pregler because, well, he's on a milk carton somewhere again. Uh, Joining us for this special edition are Andrew Ledman and Ryan Bonaparte from Boiler, the uh, Fans for Sportsnet Purdue podcast for all things Syracuse versus Purdue this weekend. Um, how we doing, guys?
4: I'm doing great. How you guys doing? Yep.
0: Um I'm thankful that Syracuse plays under a roof and doesn't have to deal with too many elements.
1: <laughs> yeah. You know, well, five and a half hour delay in your uh, week two game really, really is uh, not something you plan for. But it worked out for Purdue with that win over Virginia Tech
3: yeah that's uh we we actually had something similar up here uh on the other side of football last night Syracuse hosted uh Siena for a men's soccer match that got called in the 53rd minute uh because literally they were every time they took a step they were splashing
1: oh my yeah
3: it was I was watching the video feed of it and I was like this is not this is not humanly right like you should not be running in these (laughs) conditions so so yeah fun Called, uh fun soccer polo? What, what's that
2: do it like do it like polo you know? yeah yeah mm-hmm. there you go
3: <laughs> it basically could have been last night so mm-hmm. um yeah so we got uh we've got that for anyone who is uh randomly seeing either of these feeds and living under a rock uh Syracuse will be traveling to West Lafayette Indiana to play Purdue at eight o'clock or is it a Seven thirty. 30 okay I'll be in Disneyland so it won't matter to me, but uh, okay. everybody else will be uh, watching at seven thirty. Um, so yeah, ACC to Big Ten and uh, rematch of last year. Um, I don't know. I don't know where anybody wants to start it off, but feel free.
0: Uh, let's talk about last year first, because do we have to? <laughs> well, the, I, I I won't get into why Purdue lost because you guys can uh, better articulate that uh, penalties. All saying,
1: I can tell you why.
0: Yes, that was a big reason, but <laughs> I, I, Andrew and I were talking a little bit before this. That game was weird.
3: We specialize in weird yeah. games here at Syracuse
0: for yeah. the record. Yeah, And as much as I think a lot of people on the internet had loved that game last year at Sicko's committee, um, I don't necessarily want that again this year for both of our sanities.
1: Yeah, abs- I mean, absolutely not. So... Uh, Steve, you said you're going to be in Disney for for this game. Last year, uh, during the Purdue Syracuse game, I was at um, Sesame Place uh, with my son. So I was I'd recorded the game, but I was also getting alerts on my phone. So I see Syracuse is in the lead. Purdue's in the lead. Syracuse is in the lead, and then I see Purdue takes the lead with 41 seconds left, and I'm like, "All right, we <laughs> yeah. it's over. It's over." And then I, like, kind of put my phone away and we're, like, hanging with Elmo or Grover or something. I don't even remember. And then I get a bunch of messages all at once, like, text messages, group me, WhatsApp, Twitter, ESPN alert. And I'm like, what is going on? And I look at my phone and I'm like, what happened? So, of course, I had to dig into, like, what went on. And then the two penalties after the Purdue touchdown and kicking off and you guys get the ball at the 50. And I was Mm -hmm. just like – I was like, okay, I – and then, when I watched it, it was even worse,
3: oh, yeah, and this is the game yeah. that both of both teams were completely allergic to the end zone in the first three quarters,
1: <laughs> yeah, and then decided mm-hmm.
3: to wake up for a ridiculous fourth quarter that turned into that stupidity at the end that yeah i I think all of us as Syracuse fans can also say we did not deserve to win that game. Purdue probably didn't deserve <laughs> to win that game. I think that if the dome roof had collapsed, that probably would have been the fitting end to that uh, that debacle. <laughs>
0: What that game yeah. needed was a five-and-a-half-hour rain delay that ultimately <laughs> decided that the game would end in a no contest.
1: Yeah. So It would have been right. better for everybody.
0: <laughs> but at last, the yeah. internet won because, I, I mean, the, how, many, the, how, how many times have you seen Secret Committee use that gif of the girl that says, this is so effing stupid, and pans down to the guy just going, whoo!
1: Yep. The, the internet is undefeated. You know, you, you can't beat the internet, so uh, I don't blame you there. Very true. And the best part about this is that this is a primetime
0: game this year on mainstream cable NBC. NBC, baby. Somebody home saw of, that. Home
1: of Notre Dame. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that that
3: seems to be the only time we get NBC games. But for some reason, people saw that match matchup last year, and were like, you know what? We need to show the world this.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. More people should see this <laughs> game, and it should represent the best of both the Big Ten and the ACC.
3: <laughs> right. Yeah, is there course, some secret yeah. like SEC uh, folks on the the board at NBC saying, you know what, let's grab these and make us look even better? <laughs>
1: <laughs> could be,
0: could be. Or they just wanted to give they just wanted to give No Eagle an interesting
1: game. There yeah. you go. Yeah, that's exactly mm-hmm. right. That's exactly right. So I, I have a question for you guys. Fire away. So I asked because because Ryan and I also write for the SB Nation site for Purdue. And we traded questions with the Syracuse representative, and that was you.
0: Yeah, that was me. And it wait was, a minute, it was me last year. You were period. so
1: confident, <laughs> yes. about this game. I don't understand. <laughs> yeah, no, I am.
0: I am. I am. Del- this is a stretch for people who are used to my content on on our site on News Tradition because I'm usually the pessimist on our site. So what's going on? Eighteen point victory. Yeah, we'll 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 uh, get to why I said w- what my final score is because yes, I did go for a bit of a stretch. The big thing is defense. I'm absolutely in love with this defense, and a lot of people are seeing the are coming to terms with one of the trendiest defenses in the in the college football landscape, and that's the three three five. If you watched any of the college football playoff last year, that's the defense that TCU ran, and. You'll see it actually in the Big Ten uh, later this year when Nebraska, when you guys play Nebraska, because Syracuse's D.C. Last year, Tony White, is now Nebraska's D.C. And Nebraska's defense isn't Nebraska's problem. It's their offense.
3: I was going to say it's the rest of of Nebraska. Nebraska. (laughs)
0: Yes, Nebraska does have a lot of problems. Well, you guys can dive into that when you guys eventually (laughs) play them. So, of course, when Syracuse lost uh, tony white to nebraska a lot of people are asking okay who's going to be the next guy that dino babers brings in to take over and become the dc well it turns out he brings in rocky long the guy who actually invented the system in the first place and what we've seen from the first two games yes it's again against much lesser competition against FCS Colgate and a that, bottom that of was
1: going to be my yes. that was going to be my rebuttal to you. Yes, yeah. it's
0: against much lesser competition against FCS Colgate and bottom of the barrel Mac Western Michigan. However, this is a defense that, even given those opponents, it's a defense that looks faster and more aggressive and more in tune, more fundamental then the Syracuse yeah. 3-3-5, like under Tony was, because you have the guy who literally invented the defense teaching the defenders who already have a pretty good grasp on what they need to do. And back when the 3-3-5 was initially introduced to Syracuse, you have defenders all the time saying how much they love the system, how much freedom they had in terms of just flying to the ball and playing with. Basically, their ears tucked to their back and just going after ball carriers, and it's a reason why you've seen so many Syracuse defenders drafted. Starting safety for the Jaguars, and, Andre Cisco, uh, you know, famously honed his craft in this system. You got Derek Williams yeah. and Ifatuma Lafanwu, both quarterbacks who got drafted in the third round, um, in, and honed their craft in this system. And so, it's a Defense that has grown more in a, more ways than I thought than its uh, previous uh, predecessor, and from Tony White, and I think that's why I think this defense is something to be reckoned with.
1: And, and you can you can mark this clip mark. and you can pull it out if Purdue gets absolutely dominated. But you know you can you can play it in your next episode, and that's fine. I'll take the I'll take the L. Uh, but I'll just say, you know. I think any defense will look good against that level of competition if they're competent. I mean, your defense should look competent against, you know, uh, Colgate. It's like when Purdue last year played uh, Indiana State. And, we I mean, it was like 55 to nothing. We had just absolutely dominated them. But you can't really take anything from that. It's like putting Arnold Schwarzenegger in the movie Kindergarten Cop. Is he a giant or is he facing kindergartners? No one really knows. We'll have to find out later. Uh, when yeah. he faces the, you know, the real villain. So, uh, I would just say we just—it's a little too early for me to say anybody's defense is really that good yet.
3: Now, for the record, Christian is uh, part of part of the thing is we're Syracuse and we're not used to actually looking competent against those teams.
1: <laughs> and Christian, I apologize. I did not recognize your name. I just scanned right through no, that email. Yeah.
0: So sorry. Yeah. I, I will say, and, and one of the things I did mention that uh, the Hammer and Rails readers will be able to see in the Q&A is that there is one weakness to his defense, and we're not sure how it's going to pair out. It's going to be their run defense, and that's one of the ways that Purdue could maybe squibble their way against their defense, against the Syracuse defense, uh, It's if Devin Mockaby has a good game. Because last year, the reason why Syracuse lost a ton of games last year towards the end after going 6-0 and to start the season was run defense, and you saw guys from Notre Dame who were under 100-yard rushers having near 200 yards against Syracuse. it wasn't good. (laughs) The the run defense just in general last year towards the end of this season was not good, and we're still not sure, again, because the level of competition hasn't been great, we're still not sure if those problems have been fixed. Yes, the Orange did a great job stopping the run last year against Purdue, Who knows if that's going to hold up again.
2: Yeah, that was actually going to be my next question because, uh, like you said, last season, um, Purdue could not get anything going on the ground in this game. But um, this was really before the Devin Mockaby show got fully in tune. So um, we've kind of figured out we have a budding star on our team. And I think we... Would like to start to realize that we can utilize him and scheme around Devin Mackaby a little bit more. So um, obviously that may present a new challenge for the Syracuse defense this season. Steve, it sounds like Purdue
0: and Syracuse have a similar problem.
3: Yes, hundred <laughs> percent. Well, no, is the, is their problem their offensive line is a pile of hot garbage sometimes, or is that just sometimes? Running?
1: Yeah, yeah. And okay. in in, uh, in week one, we played a fifth string center.
3: Oh, we know how to do that. That was two years ago.
1: (laughs) That would, I mean, and and I said in the in the questions, um, Christian, you sent me, I was like, you don't really ever have a fifth string center. You know, it's not on the depth chart. It's just, it's like it's a lineman who knows how to snap the ball. And half the time,
3: it's not even that. As a former college, as a former college center, it's like
0: there's no your fifth string center is your third string log snapper. Yeah, (laughs) hey,
1: it's the former log snapper too. It's a guy who went over on the sideline and they're like, Hey, you're the center now. Yep. Uh come talk to Hudson Card and snap a couple times and then you're in.
3: And hope they don't follow it. Yeah, we were down two years ago, I think we were down to our third string and it was we were in kind of a pistol formation and it did not work well for anybody involved in any way, shape, or form.
1: (laughs) Yeah, Um, I was I was amazed it worked for Purdue as well as it did. Like there were no really bad errant snaps. There was no like Horrible miscommunication between the, the center and the quarterback, but the fifth string guy wasn't out there too terribly long before right. the fourth string guy came back. Uh, but still, yep, you know, it's not great.
3: Yeah. So Syracuse is dealing with some injuries up front. Uh, Christian, uh, you, I, I can assume you're, you were just waiting for the point where offensive line talk happened. Uh, yep. <laughs> it's inevitable on our podcast that I go into some weird diatribe about the offensive line every week, but, um, for your guys sake we do have uh some injuries up front that are hopefully recovering so what we've seen for the first two weeks hasn't been what should be our number one offensive line uh we did lose Mm -hmm. our starting right tackle uh last game but then we'll likely be getting our starting guard and uh other starting guard back so it's it's going to be weird up front i don't know what uh what Purdue really, what what they bring on the defensive front that could uh, could cause some troubles and
2: could put you guys in a good spot.
1: Ryan, yeah, why don't you tell I, them about our right, – yeah, there you go.
2: Yeah, so um, I think the, really the strength of Purdue's defense is the front seven. Um, really, the outside <laughs> linebackers in Nick Scorton and Kydron Jenkins are our fast athletic guys who can get to the quarterback when uh, – When they're rushing and then our inside uh, or interior offensive linemen They're pretty good at plugging holes So last week against Virginia Tech Only allowed uh, uh, 11 rushing yards in total So they did a pretty good job uh, Blocking up some holes Especially since it was A downpour And you kind of tend to go to the rushing Attack in those games So Definitely our strong suit. Now, we'll just kind of glaze over the secondary and uh, (laughs) go from there.
4: I
3: like to hear that. I don't like that the front seven would be your strength in the sense that Mm -mm. uh, LaQuint Allen is uh, still kind of trying to get his feet under him this year. Uh, We saw in the bowl game last year, we saw him feature and look extremely good. Um, This year, we can't really at this point tell if it's a function of Babers uh, keeping the play, playbook really tight like he is want to do until a game like you guys um, mm-hmm. or whether it's just our blocking scheme is in a situation where it's not going to give him space. We're hoping the former. You guys are probably hoping the latter. Uh, right. <laughs> so we'll see how that one pans out. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if you start to see him more in a, you know, chip and go swing pass type uh type role, kind of a late league delay. Uh, type situation which could be viable if your secondary is as happy and fun as you think it is Um.
1: (laughs) yeah it's it's had some problems it's not good when receivers are getting behind your secondary multiple times uh in a game
0: donovan brown is licking his lips yes brown
3: and (laughs) alfred are very happy at this point of the (laughs) pot yeah um
0: and you'll be up I mean, you'll be also be happy to hear, and Andrew, if you took a look at my answers, that uh, that Syracuse is actually most likely going to be without its top target, receiving-wise. Yeah,
1: um, yeah. In fact, Ryan was going to ask you about that. H- how sure is this that he's out? I mean, I don't know what the—because, you know, every school does injury reports and all of that different, so I'm not sure how Syracuse handles those.
0: So Syracuse is one of those universities that doesn't have, like, a medical university attached to it. Like you know, with Pitt and u n p c or something like that um and so Syracuse hasn't been able to consult with doctors um in terms of around Gadsden's availability by the time that Dino Babers held his press conference, so he wasn't able to give an update on whether Gadsden would be available for this game or not what and, we-
1: and for for those uh Purdue fans who are listening, what was his injury?
0: His injury was some sort of right ankle injury. Okay. Um he um his right ankle got rolled up on um during one of the first possessions of last week's game. The game yeah. Yes. Like this I, it was probably the second or third play from scrimmage uh for Syracuse. He was so held up <laughs> Yes, <laughs> yep. mm-hmm. he did. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. Thankfully it didn't it didn't, it it didn't look like bad. it was that the, bad. The but... Jets the Jets fan here is not happy. Oh, um, man. So, um, I'm sorry to do that. you yeah. you remember you're <laughs> yeah, talking but, to a
3: Bills fan here, Christian.
0: Yeah, yes, I do. <laughs> We're even um, less happy. I do realize that. Uh, thank you for the 20 fantasy points for my Jets defense. <laughs> um, and so it, he left the field. Gatson left the field, um, was helped off the field, went to the locker room, and came back on crutches and with a boot on his ankle um so obviously he didn't play the rest of the game this wasn't a rogers situation where it clearly looks like he had like a ruptured Achilles or anything and Babers in his initial thoughts after the game was hopeful that or was at least hoping that he could get Gadsden back out from this game um from what we could tell I don't think he'll play um just because it Babers does like to be careful with injuries. Yeah. Um, gotcha. And if he even talks about an injury, it's usually and doesn't immediately say a guy is going to be available for the next week. It usually means that guy is not going to be available for a couple of weeks. Yeah. So, so, so. I do not think that Gatsden will be available for this game. And for the Purdue fans, you might like, remember Oronde because he had two touchdowns last year, including the game winner. Yeah. Um, yeah quite so. A game. Pre season All
3: American this year, uh yeah. son of former NFL wideout out around against him. Go
0: figure. May or may not have, you know, battled with Pat Sertan at high school yeah. and really honed his craft there. So he uh he he was going to he was going to be and continues to be uh one of the favorite targets for Garrett Schrader. Unfortunately, he he might not be available. Now, Syracuse does have options to mitigate that, namely Isaiah Jones is going to be the number one target to um, be the guy who replaces Gatson And he's kind of got a film, a similar body type, a little less tall and a little less heavy, but uh, has the same type of a speed explosiveness and explosiveness as well. Showed some really good hops um, as well in um, the first couple of games at Syracuse. So if... 50-50 battles in the air are not your secondary specialty then. And I see that it's not. Jones might have a really good, <laughs> uh, might have a fun day. Gotcha. Gotcha.
2: And so so, yeah. one of the questions I had for you, uh, kind of looking at the Syracuse stat line so far, is I know you mentioned LeQuint Allen as their feature back, um, but they really have three uh, running backs who are in that 17 to 25 uh, carries range so far. Is that just a product of who they have played? Primarily,
3: uh, you're going to okay. see see a little of Juwan Price, but beyond that, you're not going to see much of anything besides Allen. I would assume once we get to uh, to the the feature games in the schedule. Uh, Allen was delayed getting into camp, so it also probably is a bit of them, you know, continuing to get him up to full full throttle. Uh, for, I, I got a hunch when you looked at this schedule, those first two weeks for Syracuse were effectively two more weeks of higher tempo game speed camp. So Mm -hmm. this is, this is like the start
0: of the season for a lot of what we're going to be seeing consistently, I think.
4: Yeah. yeah, To give you guys,
0: to give you guys context, uh, Syracuse's starters only played one snap in the second half against Colgate and did not play at all in the second half against Western Michigan
1: yeah yeah that like i said with purdue playing indiana state last year that sounds a lot like what happened in that game yeah. as well it was just like yeah. we, we just everybody got to play in that game i mean when mm-hmm. you go through the roster and you look at all and they're like appeared in one game last year and they're like i know exactly which game you <laughs> appeared in yep. because That's, it's the same one that everyone else did it's, So it's, right.
0: the, it's the it's the give the walk on to sometime on yeah. the field game right right mm-hmm. right right
1: right.
3: which never used to be a thing now that you don't have to burn a red shirt where <laughs> right comes get in four handy.
4: games <laughs> Yeah,
0: mm-hmm. so let's get to uh, the part of the pod that I think Syracuse wants, fans want to hear, and that's about their new about your new QB because it's a big name QB because Hudson Card, you know, if you're the Texas starting QB at some point, you're going to get recognition. But now he's mm-hmm. at Purdue, and while he's probably not the same level as AOC, um, there's probably some decent strengths and weaknesses that syracuse fans have to look out for what are those
2: yeah i would say for the first and foremost if you're comparing him to aiden o'connell uh hudson card is much more mobile um yeah it's it's uh it's staggering but that's more so speaking to how immobile aiden o'connell was (laughs) hudson card can definitely use his legs um we actually in the first two games would have liked to see him use his legs a little bit more often just because at times he would have four or five yards in front of him, but would, you know, sit back and try to make a play with his arm. Now, obviously that's uh, good if you have a big play coming, but um, getting those yardage um, is helpful. Uh, usually so um, if you have Hudson Card as the quarterback I mean I don't know that he has the same weapons he had at Texas that said um, he still can throw a pretty accurate ball Um, he's looked pretty posed in the pocket and he can escape a pocket like I said with his legs Um, we just would like him to run a little bit more and if he can get the ball out a little bit quicker to his receivers it would be helpful just because sometimes a route breaks down a little bit more um but overall we like what we see and we ex- are we're obviously excited for that talent that Ryan Walters brought in in his first year through the transfer portal um so There's still more to be desired, and we think he can give it to Purdue fans.
1: Yeah, yeah. the only thing I'll add is if you are trying to compare Hudson Carr to Aiden O'Connell, or AOC as we call him, just because it is so much easier to type everywhere than (laughs) Aiden O'Connell. Aiden O'Connell had two very, very good weapons um, in the receiving core at his disposal. He had Charlie Jones, and he had Payne Durham. Granted, Payne Durham is tight end, but... Um, you know, he was a very active, uh, receiver in that Purdue offense last year. We know, whereas, oh, we know,
3: <laughs> <yeah>. 400, whereas four <laughs> yards later, we know.
1: <laughs> yeah. Right. Whereas, um, you know, Hudson card has been without his number one tight end and he's really struggled, um, to find, I think a go-to receiver at this point. Uh, Dion Burks mm-hmm. is, uh, very, very fast. He certainly played like a number one receiver against Fresno State, uh, but then was held to just one reception against Virginia Tech. And so he's had to spread the ball around quite a bit. So I think that has both helped and hurt this Purdue offense because they're not over-reliant on one guy like they were on Charlie Jones last year. But at the same time, if it's third, you know, it's third and six, third and seven, got to have somebody who you can trust. you got to have somebody who you know you can get the ball to in a tight spot who you know can fight for one or two extra yards uh, if you get it to them behind the sticks. And I don't know that Purdue and and Hudson Card really have that guy right now that they have that rapport with that they can really trust on a third and a really difficult yardage.
0: Nice. Well, we're about halfway through here on on our time. And I know we were talking uh, uh, pre-show about Uh, some of our favorite things um, in terms of Syracuse, special teams. And I know that. I thought you were going
3: to try and throw a home field read in there.
0: (laughs) Well, we could do that as well (laughs) because it is halftime. We'll do that real quick and say, first of all, Disloyal Idiots is sponsored by Home Field Apparel, your one-stop shop for all your throwback Syracuse and even Purdue throwback apparel jersey. You can use the code Nunes 23 at checkout for 10% off. Connor,
3: don't disown us for uh, upping the Purdue side of things. I know you're an, Indi- <laughs> He's an Indiana fan, so
1: yeah, we know. We
3: know. <laughs> Though he, they, they did drop some really solid stuff for you guys. I, they uh, did. They I did. They have some really some good of them, stuff. Like, those are those are really sharp.
1: Yeah, I've got Follow a couple com- upstairs. I've got a couple upstairs. <laughs> nice.
0: All your comfiest throwback apparel, whether it's Syracuse, Purdue, or even your new conference mates in UCLA, USC, Oregon, Washington. Yes, this world is still weird. Yeah. You can use the code NUNS23 at checkout for ten percent off your first order. But we love special teams here at News Redition and as Syracuse Online people because of our love for punter you. And I believe, Ryan, you've got some fun punter things for us here. Yes, I do. Okay. So I kinda explained
2: this pre-show, but and our listeners have heard this every single podcast. Um, so they know what's going on. But for your viewers, what we like to do is we took a Sickos Community post online where they had the amount of punts it took each school and their punter to get to that school's nearest Culver's. Each Big Ten school. Correct. Yeah, because Culver's thrives in the Midwest.
1: Yes. butter burgers, yeah. frozen custard, all of the things. I don't Not know what any
3: of those things you said were.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's it's a very delicious fast food chain that serves instead of ice cream they have frozen custard mm. and it's very very good very custard. very thick and uh, of course they've got uh the burgers that have like a nice butter uh on the buns and it's it's just very good
2: yeah I'm in Wisconsin finest
1: yeah and they have and then one of their sides is delicious cheese curds so what's not okay. to love
3: yeah there we go mm-hmm. we we also respect that in upstate New York here.
2: <laughs> yes. So so the idea is that we've gone through is we wanna take a certain spot in the world where it has um something to do with the school we are going against. And this week at Syracuse, so I have taken the average punting distance of your punter, Jack Stonehouse, which is forty six point six yards. Okay. And I will give you the amount of punch it would take Jack Stonehouse to get from Syracuse's stadium to somewhere in the world. And with that distance, you'll be able to guess where he's punting to, given his leg doesn't fall off from the amount of punch. It's usually yeah, m- many punts. Yeah. So, um, it would take Jack Stonehouse... Eighty seven thousand seven hundred and fourteen punts to get to this location. Now, right. obviously, that's not exactly fair. So it's over two thousand miles.
3: That was about where the math just got me. So, yeah, uh, wow, that's, they've, that's they've... some
4: fast math in your head there.
1: <laughs>
3: yeah, it's <laughs> like, uh, you right, Times three divided by five. What are we doing?
1: Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. hmm. And remember, it's got to be. It's a location that is significant to Syracuse in one way or another. Right. I'm going
4: to guess the New Orleans Superdome. Nope, not quite. Hmm. Hmm. I feel like that's not 2,000
1: miles, but I could be wrong.
4: Yeah, it's it's a bit further than the
2: Superdome. Okay. But it could be if you go eastbound and go overseas. We are not we're not shy of going overseas on this game.
3: Huh. Would it be the hometown of Maximilian Mang our tight end?
2: Uh nope, not quite. Hmm. And if you guys have guesses you can just keep shouting <laughs> out. Eventually I'll I usually just need to give it to you. Um Is it? It's usually Is it the a center of the cam-
0: is it the center of campus of SMU, one of Syracuse's new ACC? Uh mates
2: no, but that is an excellent guess
1: that is a very good guess <laughs> hmm
4: significant to Syracuse
0: yeah that's that's the part yeah. that I'm like trying to think of as well I'm like i'll give my, you, my brain is like
4: Syracuse's mascot, so is
1: it somewhere in Miami? no, but you are on the correct uh correct line. I think I might have an idea because I don't even know, but I'm not gonna say it. Hmm.
4: Two thousand miles.
1: For those yeah. who are only listening, I believe Christian is googling something to find a distance here.
0: I I'm, I didn't look up distance because I'm not gonna cheat like that. I did Google, <laughs> I did Google where the mascot Hall of Fame is because Otto was just inducted this year into the college into the mascot Hall of Fame. But I don't think that is far enough because it's only in Indiana.
2: Mm hmm.
4: Yep.
0: So,
2: um, okay. So, you guys ready? You want me to give it to you? Yeah. Wait, let Wait, me, let,
3: let me let guess. Let Andrew go for it.
1: it. Is it in Florida? Is it the Tropicana factory that's just outside of Tampa? No. Ah.
4: Or, ooh, or Tropicana a, That was a good guess.
2: That was honestly. So, I had two responses to this. And they're the same thing essentially. So this is actually the distance to Orange County, California.
0: Ah, ah, okay. yes,
3: that's hmm. which weirdly so, ties in even more because our former editor at Noons lives yeah. in Orange County,
2: California. <laughs> yeah, he does. All right. So, um, but the other answer would have been Orange County, Florida. Ah,
4: okay. yeah, yeah. Both of those would track. Yeah, I like it. I like and it. Awesome. Is
2: Cal in Orange County? I don't know, but they're
3: about to get back in this.
4: Yeah, they are. <laughs>
3: God. I believe uh,
2: Orange County is Southern California. Ah, uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. So maybe it's some of our new Florida uh, uh,
0: yeah, conference mm-hmm. yeah, Um, um I, I, did, I did ask Andrew about this in our Q&A, Ryan. I'm interested to hear your thoughts because we can't have a college football or just college athletics podcast in general where we have two schools who are talking with each other before bringing up realignment in some weird shape or form because this is the real, weird world we live in where Syracuse now has their men's soccer team playing Stanford at one point, and your wrestling teams are now going to be taking on uh, Oregon and Washington. Uh, yep. So this is a real weird world. But how do you feel about your new... Uh, west coast friends
4: go ahead andrew
1: oh i already well okay i told him in my email but i'll say this it's very weird (laughs) um i mean you know the big 10 is a midwestern conference is how we've always known it it was kind of weird when we added you know maryland and rutgers um it was kind of weird when we added nebraska so it's been weird for a little while but now going literally coast to coast Um, it's just going to be bizarre, but it's one of those things. It was going to happen whether the big 10 tried to add somebody or not. So the big 10 really had two choices, either stay pat, stand pat with the 14 they have and say, look, this is who we are and we're going to stay here. And ultimately they might've been one of the next conferences to be rated if other schools or if other conferences had taken, you know, these pac 12 teams so now the Big 10 is stronger, which means Purdue is stronger and they're going to be getting more money, which love it or love it or hate it, college sports is increasingly run by money, by TV contracts, and so Purdue just made themselves incredibly more secure with, you know, depending on which account you read, uh, an additional 30 to 50 million more uh, per year than a lot of other conferences schools get. So While you can say tradition is ruined and, you know, we won't be playing our traditional rivals as often anymore because we've got to go to the West coast. Now, ultimately Purdue is going to have more money. Purdue is going to be able to upgrade more things, be able to hopefully run a smoother athletic department. And ultimately while you may not like the changes, they were going to happen either way. It's one of those like get on or get out of the way. And the big 10 you know, decided not only they were going to get on, they were going to drive the bus. Um, so you got to you got to take that and and run with it, I guess.
3: So if yeah, if I was recording this podcast back in 2012, uh, you could have just cut and pasted your audio for Syracuse going from the Big East to the ACC, <laughs> and it was literally the exact same situation of well, it's going to happen, and they're going to give us more money, and okay, let's go.
1: Yes, right. and then and then the Big East died, and then the Big East was reborn. Long live the Big East. Right. That sounds about right.
0: And and you sound like half the people in our comments section who wants Syracuse to go back to the Big East. I'm
1: sure. I'm sure. I cannot imagine, like, if Purdue had, you know, for whatever reason, changed conferences, it would have just been a nightmare. I mean, people get upset in our comments when Purdue Pete gets slightly tweaked in, you know, a kid version that they put on T-shirts. And it's like, this is awful. Burn the whole department down. So, oh, you so know, not just us. No, no, it's not just you. As I said earlier, the internet undefeated, uh, you know, change anything and you're going to hear it. Fair enough.
2: Now, my question is, is the ACC going to be renamed? To
0: the All Coast Conference?
2: Yes, exactly. (laughs) You took the words right out of my mouth. Still
0: ACC. Again, also, internet undefeated. I've seen that way
1: too many times. You got to stay consistent with the branding, man. (laughs) Yeah, I mean it's still the Big Ten even though there's gonna be eighteen teams. <laughs> yeah, until Is, it
2: turns into the Big Twenty, it's
1: gonna be the Big Ten. Do you
3: guys like uh, the, just it, put an asterisk next to the zero and
1: <laughs> Well, of course, I mean the, the the famous and best usage of it was when the Big Ten added Penn State and then they became eleven and then there was the hidden eleven in the Big Ten conference logo. And <laughs> yeah. that was the best. Um mm-hmm. and then of course, you know, we ruined it by adding other teams, but So what happens is the big
2: Big ten times (laughs) two.
0: Well, what happens is the Big Ten logo is just the IG is just going to be
1: larger. Yeah, well, (laughs) there's also people who have turned the G into an eight. Oh, yep. God. So we're the we're the B one eight.
4: Okay.
0: <laughs> that sounds, like, sound the like, next, the sounds like the Wars next. the next fighter. Jet. Yeah, it's like it sounds like the next fighter jet that the, the yeah, it's, U.S. It's military, droid, is it's a prototype right. or, or a
1: an X-wing version. Yeah. Now
0: mm-hmm. that, that that was the name of the warhead that Luke used to blow up the Death Star.
1: There you go. Right. Uh, th- sir, that was a proton torpedo. <laughs> True. <laughs> yes, Indeed it
0: was. Sorry, I was so rash about
1: that. I'm gonna have to leave this podcast.
3: Well, well, you can jump on I, the podcast I host in fifteen yeah, minutes. I
4: have have another I have a nerd
3: yes. news podcast, like a weekly oh. nerd recap uh yes. podcast that I run. We're doing an oh, Ahsoka an Ahsoka uh season or uh episode recap in fifteen twenty. Minutes. I haven't
1: watched the one that came out last night yet, so go no, do it
3: as soon as this is done. I that's to. my
1: plan. That's my plan.
0: <laughs> the internet unites a lot of things, like nerds. Yes. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. But going back to the now All-Coast Conference, or ACC now, that is not just the Atlantic Coast Conference, it's, it is also in a weird position because um, our co-hosts, uh, Andy and I, we're kind of united on this idea that we don't necessarily think the ACC had to um, um, add Cal, Stanford, and SMU. But what came out later Um, in terms of the reporting that was done, actually made the move make a lot more sense because when the ACC and ESPN made the ACC network, um, the conference uh, created what was called a grant of rights. And it's a very tight contract that Mm -hmm. uh, tied the teams to uh, the ACC and kept them there until something like 2034, 2037. Yeah, Yeah, 2034. And if a team wanted to leave the conference and move somewhere else, they would have to pay an exorbitant amount of money to break those grant of rights. Um, What was reported is that Clemson, FSU and UNC were prepared to start making moves to pay that money and leave. Mm -hmm. And so... What also was announced was that if the ACC ever dropped below 15 members, then it opened up the grant of rights to be renegotiated. And right now, that contract can't be renegotiated until 2030. And so, by adding Cal, Stanford, and SMU, it ensures that if Clemson, FSU, and UNC do want to jump ship, the ACC will still be at 15 teams. But if that wasn't the case, I don't think the ACC really needed to because it's not like the ACC doesn't have the same cash inflow that the Big Ten has in the Big 12 and the SEC. And so it would just make – it currently is making just logistics and a nightmare for the
1: ACC. Yeah, yeah. That's what Mm -hmm. I'm not looking forward to for Big Ten teams. It's going to be strange, especially we'll have to be playing, you know, Saturday night football games over in Cal – or I'm sorry, over in California or, you know – in Oregon, Washington. So we'll be playing at, you know, what what time? East Coast time, right. where where most yeah. of the Purdue fans live. I'm, like we're, it's going to be weird.
3: Right. We're used to Pac-12 after dark. I didn't realize right. we would need Big Ten and ACC after dark, too. Yeah.
0: Right. Yeah. And that's realignment talk, everyone. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> Congratulations to all of us. Yeah. Um, Cliff,
3: Cliff notes, none of it makes any sense, but we all had to do it.
0: <laughs> yep. Mm-hmm. So we're slowly starting to wrap up here on our Disloyal Idiots Boiler Alert uh, Duo podcast. Um, kind of, we we've definitely uh, talked about the strengths and weaknesses of each team. Um, Andrew, I asked you um, about uh, some of the unsung heroes. I want to hear some from Ryan as well. But Andrew, why don't you start first and tell me who your unsung heroes on both sides of the ball that Syracuse fans should be looking out for as like kind of those sneaky guys that you wouldn't think of.
1: So I think. For me, I I listed an offensive lineman as an unsung hero for Purdue. and Steve will be very happy. And a lineman who hasn't even played this year uh, because Mm -hmm. he's been out with injury. So I put Gus Hartwig. um, He's the starting center for Purdue, but he's been out the last two weeks. And I think without him, you've really seen a difference in the offensive line, and that shows – kind of what an unsung hero he has been for this Purdue team. He's been so stable throughout his career at Purdue. Um, He has done a really great job at the center position, which is obviously a very important uh, position on the offensive line and on the offense as a whole. Um, And being without him has just showed his value. So uh, he is the guy who I listed um, on the offensive side. And then defense, I put someone who Ryan mentioned um, already, and that's Kydrin Jenkins because – he he's a linebacker on Purdue outside linebacker and he's really, he doesn't get the same amount of publicity I think as a guy like Nick Scorton uh, does, but I think he's really come into his own this season. Um, I think he, he has made a a big improvement from last year. And I think as the season goes on, he's going to be someone you're going to hear more and more about.
2: Yeah, absolutely. So on my end, so offensively an unsung hero, I'm kind of going to go with one of the, Um, second or third options at wide receiver, and that is after uh, Rahman Yassin. So he is uh, very consistent. He's not always the top threat um, that people game plan for, but he can still give you four catches, you know, get downfield, make the right moves. The problem he's had over his career is injuries. So, that's sort of held him back a little bit. But when he's on the field and when he's healthy, he's very consistent and makes a contribution to the offense that helps you win. On the defensive side of the ball, I'm going to go with a freshman, and I'm going to say he's unsung just because of how young he is so far. It is Dylan Thieneman. Both his brothers play for Purdue. He is the third Thieneman to play, um, and he has led the entire Purdue defense in tackling. He leads the Purdue defense in interceptions with two. And he's just made some big hits and some serious plays for a guy who's 18, 19 years old. He looks to have a very bright future, as his brothers did at Purdue.
1: Yeah, he was, he was the other guy I was going to mention on defense, but I wasn't sure how unsung he was since he's getting so much publicity, <laughs> just being like a true freshman um, playing and getting two interceptions so far through two games, but I, I think he's he's the the other answer that makes a lot of sense to me. Yeah,
0: fair enough. We, we know in Syracuse that when if a legacy player does pretty well, you know the fan base is probably going to yeah. latch onto them. Yeah, to be one.
1: Yeah, buddy. love love to see that last name that you recognize. You know. Yeah.
0: yeah. So yeah. you see one, uh, buddy Jackson Thomas Behim on yeah. the mm-hmm. good old. Basketball side. Well, I think there's Matthew about McPherson. six behinds
1: on that team at one point, right?
0: Uh, blood or, like blood, or non, yeah.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, blood or non, yeah. Yeah, yeah, blood or None, yeah, yeah. So I, I know Steve. I know you've got to get into another podcast here shortly. Um, do you guys have any more questions for us? Because I think Ryan and I were hoping to end just with some predictions, and I don't want to keep you here longer than need you. Uh, you know, need to so you miss your other podcast.
0: Oh, no! Let's let's jump right into it. Sure. All right.
1: Um, do we want to go one and one? So one of you guys and then one of us, and we'll go back and forth.
0: Sure. Yeah, Christian, sure. Christian, you want to lead um, off
3: since you've already been alluded to as the surprise yes, of the... I
1: will lead off. As
0: Andrew said, I am predicting an 18-point win for Syracuse. It is 34 to 34-16. Yes, this is out of character for me, but like I said, I think it's the defense that carries this. Uh, um, and yes, I know that the defense has only played FCS Colgate and bottom of the barrel Mac, Western Michigan. Mm-hmm. But just through the eye test alone, this defense looks better than when the past iterations of this Syracuse defense has played against similar competition. And most of the contributors that were contributors that we're seeing in this defense are veteran guys who are back and are really hungry. The main focal point is gonna be Marlo Wax, who is sliding over from the weak side linebacker to middle linebacker, and he is still playing with basically his head cut off and rushing the a gap like not, no tomorrow. The free safety Elijah Clark is going to get his head involved in every play, no matter what. And the defensive the quarterbacks who may have been a concern after both of our starting quarterbacks last year left due to graduation and the transfer portal, both of the starting cornerbacks this year have stepped up and played tight coverage in Isaiah Johnson and. Jeremiah Wilson if the run defense can hold and if Devin Mockaby regresses to the form that he showed against Syracuse I don't think points are going to be easy to come by for Purdue and that gives me a lot of confidence to say that the Syracuse defense will lead the Orange to a
1: victory
3: and that's a forced regression of Devin Mockaby not like him just
2: magically not playing
1: well gotcha gotcha (laughs) Ryan do you want to go for us
2: yeah i will i will go so the one x factor i think in this game is actually just surely the location um we hadn't really talked about it i know your kicker has not missed a single kick this year but um when you're playing in a dome it's a little bit easier um but i think purdue at night presents just a whole new environment um kind of the blackout and West Lafayette at nighttime. They've been some big games there. Um, I've got Purdue in this one 31-24 just because I like the effort we saw from the defense last week as opposed to in week one. I think they're on the right path. Uh, The offense is getting healthier. And uh, if Devin Mockaby can make that um, extra – extra effort against uh, a defensive line that has some issues i think that bodes well for purdue so 31 24 purdue
3: okay uh i might almost flip that on its head and go like 27 21 or something um i'll end up putting it on paper tomorrow when we publish the article but uh something <laughs> something in the vein of like a one possession syracuse win um, I don't think this is going to be the stupid game. I think this is going to be a much more pal- palatable game to watch. Uh, I think both teams have pluses and minuses that each other can exploit. I do think Syracuse will end up coming out on top just between how Schrader has uh just how Schrader has changed his game. Uh, as far as actually looking downfield to receivers instead of just tucking and running immediately, uh, as well as like Christian said, the defense. Uh, for I mean, you guys, you guys understand the uh, how we watch a game versus how most people would look at a game, and they're they're passing the look test more so than they have in years past. So, okay. probably a, a one possession game, Syracuse victory is where I'll where I'll settle.
1: Gotcha. Yeah, I I was really surprised when we hopped on here that you guys said that Christian was the pessimistic one.
0: Yeah, normally, Um, normally he's completely the pessimist. To give you an idea, to give you an idea, in our preseason predictions for overall record, everyone kind of went with eight and four, seven and five records for Syracuse. I went with a six and six and almost put down five and seven.
1: Okay. All right. So they they've convinced you. You're a you're uh, you're converted Um, because like Steve said.
0: Yeah, because like Steve said, the Syracuse team is passing the eye test a lot better than it has in previous seasons.
1: Gotcha. So uh, I I am last. I'm going to go 35-31 to uh, Purdue. As everyone here has said, I think both teams have flaws, and I think it's ultimately going to come down to which team can exploit that flaw. Mm -hmm. Um, I know Christian and Steve, you both said that you're a little concerned about the Syracuse offensive line as well as not knowing fully who is actually going to be on that offensive line. You're hoping to have some guys back. And I think the Purdue defensive line can really take advantage of that. I think they've done a good job so far this year. And I hope that that will mask some of the problems of the Purdue secondary, Um, you know, preventing the quarterback from having a lot of time preventing those plays from developing, maybe make them a little bit more one dimensional. Um, So that would be great news for Purdue. And also I do think the return uh hopeful return of Gus Hartwig will make a difference, allow um Devin Mockaby to really have a much better game than he did last year against Syracuse. Um and overall, I think to Ryan's point, playing the game at Ross Aid at night, um, you know, you just see a, a trail of top ten teams that have gone into Ross eight at night and lost over the last few years. Um and and I think it is a sneaky, difficult place to play at night. So uh if if this game was at Syracuse, I would feel differently. Um, but since it is at home in Ross i I'm gonna go uh Purdue pulls out a a 35-31 victory.
0: Well, it promises
1: it promises to be a good game. Let's put it that way. Yeah. yeah. You know yeah, now yeah, that I we've so. all predicted a good game, it's
3: gonna be a complete shit show. Right?
1: Absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's gonna be it's gonna be like a four turnover, yep. uh two safeties, missed field goals. You know, it's gonna be everything.
0: Oh, so a Syracuse. Game. And yeah. <laughs> and as And as weirdly has been the theme of this joint podcast, if that happens, the internet wins. Yeah. There you go.
3: Mike, we're we're here for the sickos, man. We're here for the sickos.
0: Perfect ending. We are here for the sickos at Sickos Committee. We love you and adore you as always. Well, that will do it for this joint episode between the Disloyal Idiots and Boiler Alert here on the Fans for Sports Network. Andrew and Ryan, thank you so much for taking some time to join us today.
1: Hey, thanks, guys. It was a lot of fun.
0: Thank you. Yes, indeed. So everyone, if, if you're watching on Twitch, Twitter, YouTube, wherever, thank you all so much for watching. Leave a like, leave a follow, subscribe, leave a comment on your a podcast provider of choice so that we can trick the algorithm into expanding the Ottoman Empire. And while you're there, leave some five stars and a comment as well. For Steve and the missing Andy Pregler, I'm Christian e. Guzman. You guys won't like it, but we always end our podcast here on the Dislo Audi- on Dislow Idiots with a good old Go Orange.
4: Orange.